that up. I heard that. I was like, <laughs> again, wow. like it is an honor. Boom. Like <laughs> Davia speaks and like God is like, God oh. is listening. <laughs> yeah. It's like nature's mic drop. That, and, oh, nature's mic drop. Oh my gosh, that is brilliant. <laughs> Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth. Wherever you are on your journey to health, happiness, and self-love, our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in finding your shine. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We are so excited for this episode that has been a long time coming. She's the final speaker for Empowered Voice, Davia Roberts, and we had the greatest conversation. In fact, it was so good that Mother Nature, we called it Mother Nature's Mic Drop. We had like, mm-hmm. Davia would speak and then there'd be like a clap of thunder. Like It was crazy. <laughs> it was thundering throughout like the whole second half of the episode, but I think it really added to the dramatic like air of conversation. Yes. Also, my black cat walking over my piano that's like electronic and has organ music, probably going to be cut, I would hope or imagine for this episode, but- But that happened It too. added to like the- the seriousness of the topic. And it is not <laughs> Halloween time or Friday the 13th. In fact, it's August 20th. So I don't know why we were having all these crazy, <laughs> like black cats and thunder, but it was a really great conversation. It really, really was. So, you know, there's so much stigma around mental health. And we've touched on it in a lot of various ways over the episodes, but I actually don't think we've had a therapist on before. I don't think so. So I don't believe we have. Yeah. So when people talk about mental health, you know, we've talked about a lot about coaches and their role in like helping their clients reach their goals. But there's this whole side of therapists, you know, knowing when you need to go to someone that specializes in that and can help you in your own mental health journey. Um, so it was really great to get that perspective because we haven't had that on the show before. Mm-hmm. And I like that we touched on mental health, but we also touched on uh, women and self-worth and feeling like we have to knock off all the things on our to-do list. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everything was so applicable to what I'm going to say women, because I know I mentioned this in the podcast, are going through and a lot of the struggles that we face in this modern society yeah, and in our work lives. So Davia does is kind of like the jack of all trades. I haven't seen. And if there are more people like Davia out there, please call me if you're a therapist and you do this because dang, but she really blends the, you know, the therapy side, the mental health, her, her professional training with this, you know, wellnessy, open-minded, holistic spin. So she's a yoga teacher. She's a licensed therapist. She's been a community organizer. She has a podcast. She posts wonderful content on Instagram. Like, she has all of that covered and um, recently has moved from Austin to DC and is doing wonderful work out in this space. We are just so, so excited to have her on the show. And if you really enjoyed this podcast, then you're going to love hearing her speak at Empowered Voice on September 21st, which is now only two weeks two away. 
weeks away. We think. Tickets we're doing are math only, right. <laughs> if we're doing the math right from when we're recording this, tickets are only on sale for one more week. Mm-hmm. So if you are interested, make sure to head on over to our Eventbrite and purchase those tickets and get your booty to empowered voice. Amen. All right. Well, we don't want to keep you waiting anymore because you are not going to believe the conversation we had. Let's get into our episode with Divya Roberts. Well, hey, Davia, thanks for coming on and talking to us. We're really excited to officially connect. So we've kind of been connecting for like nine months. But... Just a little bit, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're so happy to have you. I'm excited to be here. It's, awesome. It's crazy because like Liz said, I mean, it's been nine months that we've been talking with you via email and even our followers know who you are in your face because they've been seeing it on all of our Empowered Voice um, like content and pictures and you're obviously on the site. And so we were thinking, we're like, oh my goodness, every single person that's speaking at Empowered Voice has been on our podcast except Davia. And so now we need to get her on. Um, and we finally made it happen and just in the nick of time because right. the event, when when this comes out, the event will now be, I think, in like, like two weeks away. Two weeks away. Yeah. So we are so happy to have you here. Thank you. Well, I wanted to ask, like, I always like to find out how people got where they are. So you're in this really beautiful blend of mental health and woo-woo, which I think, <laughs> like, I don't often see that going together. Um, not to judge all therapists, but like any therapist I have seems like pretty straight-laced. I mean, not that woo-woo and hippy-dippy isn't straight-laced, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so how did you, like, find yourself combining both of these parts of your life? Can I be completely honest? Yeah. Yeah. When I was doing, when I was in my graduate program training to become a therapist, when they put me in the mindfulness course, my reaction was, this is a bunch of crap. It does not work. This is not for me. And I remember being guided through like the breath work and I was like, all right, I don't feel nothing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I was really looking for like that instant relaxation. And it took my own personal path to really figure out like, oh, this is like building a muscle. It's like going to the gym. Of course, you know, doing one crunch is not going to give me a six pack. Like that's not how this works at all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so for me, I, I was actually doing therapy full time. I was working as a therapist for survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's heavy. I'm like, mm-hmm, it is. I was burnt out. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, I can only imagine. After, you know, because it's heavy work. I loved it, but it's heavy work. And because I was experiencing burnout, I remember thinking, how am I going to sustain myself doing this kind of work and still show up for my clients? Like, I love my clients, but I also have to prioritize myself in this well. And I actually started thinking, Davia, you've been practicing yoga for yourself for a few years now. Why don't you integrate that into your actual therapy practice? And it was like, duh, dummy. Like, that makes the most sense. And that's when I started really integrating, you know, the woo-woo and the mindfulness and the breath work into into practice, not just for me, but for my clients. And it was a way for me to be able to do heavy work and still feel taken care of, not feel completely overwhelmed. But it really took like a hard reset because I think for some folks, if they're like me, 
the woo-woo feels unnatural. And it's like, I feel like I'm performing. Yes. It's not that, you know, take a deep breath and a long walk along the beat. I'm like, I'm not that girl. Um, And so being able to reframe it to a way that fits me and realizing like, oh, my practice can look however I want it to look. And that's fine. And being able to show up for other clients. I'm like, oh, you are not like what I expected a therapist to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they say that as a compliment. I'm like, yeah, we're going to do this how you need it. And we're just going to take it from there. Everything does not have to be what we see it presented as. It's funny you mentioned that because I start my yoga teacher training in September Ooh. and I keep thinking like, I'm trying to envision myself and my personality doing exactly what you said where you're like, and now everyone <laughs> like, and I'm like, how am I going to like, how do I keep myself in this? Because that's not really, like I talk fast and <laughs> sometimes I mumble and like, it's not really conducive to like some floaty, you know, right. goddess woman. <laughs> And, and I think that's the thing, like people automatically assume like you have to have this very airy voice about you. We do a good job at that. I mean, like, it sounds great. <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, like, I've definitely gotten that feedback. They're like, oh, that's your voice is very calming. But for some people, they don't resonate with that at all. And, and I always say this for people who are trying therapy. I mean, not therapy, but yoga. I'm like, you're a yoga teacher is going to be the one that decides if you like yoga or not. Mm-hmm. People always have this like, yoga wasn't for me. I'm like, it depends on who you take it with. And I'm like, just what, who your personality clicks with, what style, all of that. You don't have to have the super woo-woo, flowy. Some people just want to hear, let that shit go. And I'm like, oh, right. I'm do that in yoga. <laughs> and that's the thing. This is such a timely conversation for me as well. And I'm thinking about it from a completely different sense as a coach too. I've had two conversations with clients this week um, and it's been about like spirituality and woo. Mm -hmm. And both of them have been, like the first one was, holy crap, I just realized I don't have to define this. Like, and I think that's what religion has done to us. We feel like we have to define this or we need to do this to feel a certain way. Or if we practice these three things, this is what we're going to get out of it. And it was like this light bulb moment that I realized like, wow, I wonder if that's what's holding a lot of people back is that they feel like, like you said, if I breathe in, I should feel this immediately. It's like, no, we don't have to define it. And then the other conversation I had just yesterday was like, she said the same thing. Like, I've tried a little bit of this. I've tried a little bit of that. I'm not feeling what everybody else is feeling. And I remember saying something like, I was like, you know what? Like, what if you don't place any expectations on it and you just start trying a few different things? And it doesn't have to be like this, like, woo, like the voice of God, just like, or the light filled me or whatever it is for you, you know, like drop all expectations, drop all rules and just start like feeling into your body and seeing what feels most comfortable for you. And, but you know what I realized? I don't remember the steps that it took me now. And that's something that I find challenging because I remember when I first got into this, it was a really slow process. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember when it clicked for me. So like, how do you really explain this concept to people that are just diving into it? Like, I want to feel what you're feeling, but I don't know how yet. Honestly, I kind of share what you just said, Mm. that any type of mindfulness is essentially your practice. And with any practice, it takes time, it takes experimentation, it takes just getting comfortable with these things that are not normal for you. 
Of course, you're going to feel uncomfortable. It's brand stinking new. You're figuring it out as you go. But just to emphasize what you were saying, Nina, is we, we set these expectations for ourselves. And once they go unmet, we feel disappointment. We may feel shame. We, we begin to create this feeling of I'm stuck and I'm doing something wrong. And that's probably not the case. It's just the fact that we've put an unrealistic expectation on ourselves and our practice. And sometimes the practice is just showing up and having a moment for yourself. Mm, I love that. Are there baby steps to getting to... Let me reframe that actually. Do you focus mainly on meditation and yoga or are there even smaller steps you encourage your clients to get to to start to achieve this, this sort of mindfulness practice? Got it. So for some folks, I don't even bring up the words meditation or yoga. We're going to be mindful in this moment. We're going to just notice how we're feeling for 30 seconds. We're just going to notice our breath for this minute. We're going to notice our breath for the duration of our favorite song. And then we're going to notice how we feel afterwards. So sometimes it's not putting this term to it, but allowing us to just have the moment because once we put a label on it, then there's an expectation that goes with it. And it's like, oh, just notice what's happening. And at the core, that's what mindfulness is. Pay attention to what you're doing and be present. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like it's so, so easy and so hard at the same time. Thank you. It's so simple, <laughs> but so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess a baby step would be maybe sitting in a chair for one minute and just breathing and noticing your breath. You know what I really liked? I really liked the listening to your favorite song thing because <laughs> because music is so easy for people to relate to, right? And so when you say, how do you feel when you listen to, like for, for me, for example, when I listen to musical theater, I feel this weird, like uplifting, like out of body experience. And I'm like, this is it. This is the feeling. <laughs> and then if I listen to something, like my husband loves like Metallica and like hardcore, like scream. He tells me not to call it screamo. I don't know what it's called. But that like gives me angst. Like, I'm sorry, but for me, it's a little bit like too much. And so I'm like, oh, that's what it feels like. So then I start to notice what my body feels like in different circumstances and I can relate it all back to music because that just is what resonates with me. But I think it resonates with a lot of people. It does. I have this friend. She has this amazing, her name is Lysandra. I want to make sure I give her credit, (laughs) Lysandra Campbell. But she has this activity that she does with groups where it's basically like their self-care through music. What is a song that brings you joy? What is a song that reminds you of a close friend that you love? And it kind of you kind of create this live soundtrack. So when you're having a moment, you get to revisit that. You get to revisit those feelings and re-experience them, re-experience them, them almost. And I'm like, why have I never thought of these things? I need to think of these things. It's like we have a friend, Julie, that is she's like a health coach and she posts on Instagram all the time. But she, a lot of times when she's on Instagram, she's just like dancing. She's like in a room by herself and she's like, (laughs) and like, I think that's what a lot of people, like, it seems like I know a lot of people who are experimenting with that. Like, I'm just going to put on a song that makes me feel good. I'm going to be in this moment. I'm going to like not care who walks in and I'm just going to, and again, I'm like, that sounds really easy. And then I'm like trying to picture myself in a room, like rocking out. And I'm like, I feel awkward for me, but I love dancing. Like, and I love music. 
It's just, it's, it's I can interesting. see you doing that, Liz, because you do love dancing so much. I, I do. I can't see you doing it in like a public situation right away, but I can see like Zach walking into you like booty bumping. <laughs> <laughs> it's already like, happened, Nina. <laughs> it's, I love to dance. I've danced since I was a child and it's always been something that brings me that joy. Like just listening to you talk about it and you smiling as you think about it. And it's always been something that I've loved doing. And it hasn't been until this year where I've actually been intentional about, I'm going to stand in front of the mirror in my bra and my panties, and I'm just going to mm-hmm. dance. And I'm going to put on my <laughs> favorite songs. And I'm going to appreciate my body and appreciate how I feel in my body in this moment. And I was like, Davia, you would have never done this crap a few years ago. You would have been like, this is awkward. Why am I doing this? But for me, I'm like, I get to reconnect to my, I guess to reconnect to joy and laughter and silliness and not having to worry about anyone else's thoughts of me. So I just got, to, I get this moment to just be childlike and free. But then- Isn't that what we all need too? I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I get to feel that freedom with this intentional act that connects me to my body. For someone and just being transparent, I've definitely had my body issues and things like that. So for me, I'm like, I'm going to associate freedom and joy that I have with dance to being in my body. So I'm going to tie these things together and have at it. Is everybody on that wave? Of course not. (laughs) Some people are never going to do that. doesn't matter if the door closed. It doesn't matter if no one's home. But even making steps towards, okay, I'm not about to be, you know, in my drawers like the via is. (laughs) (laughs) I may take this moment to just kind of dance in front of the mirror and sing my favorite song and just mm-hmm. have that moment and just tap into that. Well, your body remembers that. Like the music is empowering you and then you're adding movement to it. We actually had somebody on here that was a specialist in that, like adding movement with mental health and so how it's like all... Trauma, all of that. Right. <laughs> and your body remembers that. So then like you kind of correlate your body with this new mood of the empowering music and it's step-by-step like we mentioned. But everything you're talking about, what it really reminds me and like I really want to reiterate this to the listeners is you don't have to be at that place right now. Like even if it doesn't seem like something you would ever do, take it from probably all three of us. We've been at places where that seemed unrealistic as well. And you take one little thing like sitting in a chair and just focusing on your breath. And then all of a sudden you're dancing, you know, in your underwear in front of a mirror. And you're like, how in the world did I get there? But, you know, it all started with a self-help book. That's how it started with me. And then there you go. Um... I'm curious, one thing that you said in the very beginning that I immediately was like, hmm, I need to know about this. And not that, like, I do not have a job one-tenth at, no, one one-thousandth as, like, the need to set boundaries as you would. But, like, thinking of the people that you work with and the traumas that they go through and your own mental health, like, how have you, I'm sure lots of our listeners have jobs where they're like, I need to, like, either somehow compartmentalize in a healthy way or set boundaries, like, I'm a very empathetic person. So your role for me would be super terrible. Like if I didn't practice something to be like, okay, like I'm in my bubble and I'm hearing you, but I'm not like taking on your stuff. Anyone that's working with others truthfully, like teachers, hello, I used to teach too. I mean, you absorb the energy of others. Liz, when you get an email from a client, 
that's you know like, I- <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to go there. But you get an email from somebody that's like harsh or whatever. It's like, oh my gosh, you take that in. Or if you get something that's positive from someone, you're uplifted. So it's like, if you're working with others, I feel like this is an issue that you need to set boundaries. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Nina. I think everyone has their stressors. Everyone, no matter what field you're in, there is a need to set healthy boundaries. Um, I think that gets a little bit more complicated when you're in a role like mine, where you're dealing with secondary trauma. And like Nina said, that can be teachers. Teachers are dealing with their students' traumas all the time that show up in the classroom, therapists, social workers, people that work in hospitals. Like You hear of other people's trauma, And contrary to belief, you don't have to experience the trauma in order to feel the similar symptoms. Just constantly hearing those traumatic things have an effect on us. So regardless of what field you're in, there is always going to be this need to have boundaries. And for me, being completely honest, there have been times where I have not been great at those. There have been times where I've taken certain things home with me. Um, I will never forget, I had an amazing supervisor. Hey, Ashley, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember being, dealing with my own life stuff and having a very challenging caseload. My clients were going through it. I was trying to be the best that I could for them. And I was like, but I'm tired and I just don't know what to do. (laughs) And I remember her saying, well, maybe you need to take a few days off, you know, take care of yourself. And I remember feeling extreme guilt. And I was like, they're going enough. And how selfish of it, how selfish of me would it be to kind of just kind of leave? But I had a phenomenal supervisor. And I remember her, I remember telling her all these things that were going on in my life and how I essentially needed a break. And she emphasized maybe it's time to take one. And I instantly felt that guilt and was kind of like, no, how could I do that? When my clients are going through their own stuff, they need me to show up. It would be wrong of me to take a break right now. And she got to my ego and basically said, so you're telling me that your clients have survived for this long, that they can't continue to show up in the world without you? And I was like, ouch. Whoa. All right. right. (laughs) You're right. They don't actually need me. And I think sometimes we get into this space where we think if we don't do it, it's going to fall apart. And the reality is that's not the case. People are people and they know how to take care of themselves. They may need help from time to time, but they're not going to automatically crumble because we're not there 24-7. And being able to say, I need the same type of support that this person needs, who I'm telling them that they deserve the support. Well, how about I take care of myself and extend this grace and compassion to myself? That's so true. It's so true. And I think one of the toughest things for women, I'm just going to put it out there. I feel like women struggle with this so much. And I'm thinking of the moms. I'm thinking of the woman who's working like a full-time job and like has all of these other side things going on. Sometimes, like the first thing that popped into my head was someone might be thinking, well, I'm not really necessarily worried about needing to take care of somebody else, but like, I still feel like every single thing on my to-do list is my responsibility. And if I don't get it done, I'm a failure. Um, And how do we start to work through that? Because it's so ingrained. I feel like I've never talked to a woman that says she's not stressed out about everything she has to do and really truly feeling like it falls on her shoulders. And if she doesn't do it, she's not being successful. Yeah. 
I'm not gonna lie. I, I mean, I deal with the imposter syndrome myself. <laughs> so Don't I we all connect yeah. to that? And yeah. like you said, as women, women we tend to experience that imposter syndrome. Like we're never doing enough. And so to speak to that, when I think of clients in particular, we have. Y'all, I can come across as very woo-woo and that breath work, but I'm going to get in your ass. And <laughs> like, so once you get through the list, what happens next? There's like, more you add to the list. There's more you're going to add to the Always. list. Always. Yes. So you doing these things, in what way does that serve you? I'm like, please tell me the benefit. And for most people, they're going to come up with something. Well, I feel productive. Okay, so if you're productive... And you still have to add something onto it. Does that, do you ever truly reach productivity that satisfies you? No. Okay, you didn't. So when did you learn that message? Who said that you weren't good enough unless you produced, unless you had some accolade? Who, who are you trying to prove your validity to? And so I think for some of us, it's figuring out where do we learn these things? What are our own personal measures of self-worth? And sometimes it's really just being able to say, I need you to sit down and I need, I need you to do nothing because I need you to just hear this over and over. Your worth is not dictated by things. Your worth is not dictated by what you do. Your worth is not dictated by how much you achieve, how you show up for other people. You are worthy as a human being because you are. Mm. I'm like having Tavia, an experience. I was like, okay, Tavia, I'm like, I'm getting emotional. I'm like, I'm legit gonna like have Austin, our audio person, like section out that and just like sleep with it. Like you're speaking. That's actually what I'm exploring like about myself right now, all of those things, because I am the person that's like, I have to go, go, go. Like I realized recently that I have been doing I have not done just one thing, like I have one job or I'm getting like one degree or whatever since high school. Like I'm never like just doing one thing, I'm doing a million things and it's made me, like I'm feeling the effects of it. Like it's it's happening. And I wonder if you can speak to, so one thing I've heard some people talk about recently is I'm into intuitive eating and this idea of diet culture and like, what does our culture tell us about the way women should look and how we should make our bodies smaller? And I also think that there is a burnout culture. And I've heard a lot of people talk about burnout culture and how it's on both spectrums. It's this idea of people being machines. Like you should be able to make your body smaller with this formula of eating less and exercising more, or you should be able to like go, 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 never stop producing, like be more, more better. And how do you combat that? Because it's so, we're, both of those are so rewarded in our current society. Like capitalism rewards the people in theory, not by the way they like fall apart later, but they'll work, you know, 80 hours a week mm-hmm. or whatever. You go up, yeah. If you The harder you work, the more money you earn and the higher you get on the corporate ladder. And if the you better you are and the more stuff you get. And, and if you blah, fail blah. something, you get in trouble with the boss or you get like, it's just, it's hard to avoid that when that's your like everyday working situation. It is. And I think, I mean, there are so many different pieces in this puzzle, right? There are so many different things to consider. But one of the questions I'm, <laughs> you bring up like this burnout culture. I'm literally in the middle of creating something called like the Wusa Intensive. And so we're going through like the beta program. And one of the pieces in this program is really figuring out what life do you want to create for yourself? If we got outside of what your mom thinks you should do, 
if we got outside of what your family says you'd be great at, or if you had to make a certain amount of money or live in this certain place, if we got to the core of what you wanted your life to look like from day to day, what would be different? What would you do every day for work? How would you spend your time in the afternoon? And most people don't start thinking about what their body would look like. They start to think about the things that bring them joy, being able to spend time with their family and friends, being able to travel, to have experiences in life. And I'm like, oh, that didn't include a certain dress size. Oh, that didn't include restricting what you ate. That didn't include working 70 hours a week because who wants to work 70 hours a week? I love what I do, but baby, I'm not doing it 70 hours a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think sometimes it's really re restructuring what we view as a fulfilling life and taking these labels, not labels, but shoulds out of that conversation. I should do this because I'll make more money. You can make millions of dollars and still be unhappy. And don't get it twisted. You can be broken unhappy. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, the goal is to find that happy balance as far as how do you actually want to live instead of what goals are you trying to hit? Can I sign up for this course? Side note, like, when's it live? I'll be your beta. Let's go. <laughs> Liz is in. <laughs> She's committed. <laughs> Where do we start with breaking down these barriers? I mean, I truly believe it. it. It starts in childhood. And a lot of it comes from our parents who have such good intentions. And a ton of it comes from society that doesn't really have good intentions. But like, no matter what, it's really just thrown at us. And it's hard to, I mean, we're 30. Um, it's hard to break down 30 years of thinking a certain way. So how do we start to do that? What is like the simplest ways to do that? Simplest ways to do that. Get a therapist. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you don't have a therapist, by the way, side note, I started working with someone a couple months ago. I've only seen her a couple of times, but she does definitely blend the woo with like therapy. And I was like, you're my person. Like I finally found you. And like you, yeah, I'm like, you do the same thing. I was like, there's a brand out there and that's who I need. <laughs> right. There's there's always a match somewhere. You got to do a little work to yeah. find them, but there's always a match. Yeah. Find um, a therapist. Exactly. Find a therapist. And I think sometimes some of us are unaware that we're operating in this system because it's all we ever know. And so I think we can get, or I've just seen this place of judgment, like, why are you in the system? Why are you doing this? Or why are you operating this way? If that's all we've been taught, we don't know any better. Um, but I think once we get to a place where we start to recognize that the life that we're living doesn't bring us joy, it's the time to reevaluate. What areas are of your life no longer bring you joy? What are ways that you can be in, be able to integrate moments of joy? It's not fixing the problem. And, and I say, let's not try to fix the whole problem because some of us can get into a space, myself included, <laughs> of I'm not happy, so I need to fix everything right now. And if Ooh, me, girl. perfect in a month, <laughs> It's just horrible. But it's like, no, no, no. It didn't take a month for all of this to happen. So how about we give ourselves more grace? And like we said, all of us are 30 right now, right? So how about we extend ourselves and say, if it's a 30 years to get to this point, it may take significant time 
to unravel why I think certain way or certain patterns that I have and experiment and figure out ways to to change things up. But I think maybe just picking one area of your life where you're like, this this isn't what I want for myself right now. And I want something to change and I want something to shift. What what would that look like on the day-to-day? How would I want things to be different in my life? And what can I control? We can't control other people. We can't control other situations, how people treat us. But how can I control how I respond, how I react, how I navigate life so that I feel more well, that I feel more joyful, that I feel at peace? What are those those little things that I can begin to do now? It's just starting with one particular area. We don't have to fix it all. We like to do black and white. We like to be like, it's I'm hard. upset. It's so hard. And now I'm going to fix it. Everything is wrong. I need the solution and then it I need will it be to better. All be right. Right. <laughs> but like, even the smallest steps, like, like, Yoga, yoga. Wow. Jo- I was going to make joy and yoga. Yoga. That's exactly where my head is going. But like, if you say yoga brings me joy, okay, great. Um, try to incorporate it in maybe once a week or twice a week or something. And that'll start to a- elevate your joy a tiny bit. And then once you elevate that a little bit, then you like make more space to, to add in some more joy. And then, you know, you keep ridding the things that make you unhappy and creating more space for joy. So it happens gradually as opposed to like turning your whole life upside down. That seems traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think there's this whole like, I quit my job and I work for myself and I work on a beach. And like, there's this whole idea that like, I feel like you're slightly you... talking about me though. Cause like, <laughs> no. that's what I did. Like, no, but I'm saying like, I was one of those people that are like, I no. quit my job. <laughs> but I think like there's this, <laughs> this idea that that's like the key to happiness. Like mm-hmm. just like quit your job and live your beach life. And you know, that that's, that's the level of extremity that you have to go to in order to be happy. You have to like, quit your whole life entirely and like have like press the reset button new life and that's just not that's except not for Nina that's not well, let me let me tell you though let me tell you that you when you quit like sometimes I feel like you do need a dramatic shift yeah okay sometimes you do like for me it wasn't super dramatic but I thought about it for a while and it was time to quit my job but your problems will still come with you like after mm-hmm. you quit like after I quit my job I still carried the same insecurities and I still had the same anxiety I had when I was teaching. It just, my anxiety morphed into something different when I wasn't teaching. And so, but doing that gave me, again, the space then to pursue the things that I wanted to do, to start my coaching practice, to continue doing the podcast. And then I worked through the problems but in just this new setting. And that's what I needed for me. But yeah, you don't have to go quit your job and do something else. And you know what? Now that I think about it, Liz, I feel like I did take three years of baby steps before I did that too. You really did. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big thing that we have to recognize because a lot of us are are looking for this big dramatic thing to change our life. And it kind of speaks to positive psychology. Once I get this thing, life will be good. But that's not actually how it works. There has to be this inner unraveling in order for us to actually just have our own inward joy. So regardless of the expectations or the situations that we have going on in life, we still have that peace because like Nina said, yeah, you quit your job, but now you have new stressors. That first year of business, the first, heck, beyond the first year, it's a struggle. It's like, I don't have a boss. Yes, you do. Every invoice you send, you are hoping that they pay that baby on time, okay? (laughs) So you are always, you know, dealing. 
different things. And so I think it's always so important for us to remember that that joy isn't found in a thing. It truly is found in us. It is storming. So the world is saying, yes, y'all need to have this conversation. It was storming oh, here no. too, but now it's sunny. <laughs> now it's sunny in my window. Oh my it's come it up rains. here. <laughs> yeah. It rains here and I didn't even notice. That's hilarious. Well, I even want to say like, it's the same thing as the pant size too. It's like you get to the pant size and the and problems are still going to be there. You cross all the things off on your to-do list, the problems are still going to be there. I used to do this hardcore with money. You make your money goal, the problems are still going to be there. Like, so what's underneath it? And I think you also do have to go through that to realize like, oh shoot, okay, there's something I really have to address in myself. It's never the external factors. Now they can help, like you said, being broke is like not going to be helpful either, or you know, but like you have to go through that and realize, hmm, maybe there's some inner work I still need to do here too. Yeah. I do have a question because I've not had a therapist or someone, not that you're my therapist right now, full disclosure. Um, I've not talked to someone that I think can answer this, but I, as someone who's doing intuitive eating health, co- like that's what I'm training to do right now is health coaching and I'm in a program, but I see this very blurry line that scares me between therapy and coaching And sometimes I think there are people like crossing that line. And I'm curious as to your thoughts on like if anyone is in the coaching space, like how do we not like tiptoe into territory that we should not be in? Because especially for me, like I, once I start my practice, I could have people that have had disordered eating in the past that really, and maybe it's flared up and they really should not be seeing me. They should be seeing a therapist that can work with them that has that as their specialty. So I'm trying to like figure out this, this line that I don't want to cross because I'm scared of breaking rules <laughs> and hurting anyone. I appreciate that. Like, I genuinely appreciate that. I will be honest. I'm very territorial of my field. <laughs> and get out, coaches. Get out, life I coach. Only people, like, I only get offended when a coach is like, oh, we do the same exact thing. I'm like, <laughs> <Mm-mm>. no. <laughs> um, but I always have so much respect um, for coaches who go through like a mental health, like a first aid mental health training. Because in that space, you, you're not training to become a therapist, but you're getting to learn some signs. And once you actually know some signs like, oh, this is beyond my, my type of work, I can actually see that, okay, therapy would be a better fit for you. And maybe it's not that we have to end our relationship, but maybe it's like, hey, these are things that I think you would benefit from speaking with a therapist and we work on the other side of it. And we would work more so on that intuitive eating and what that looks like for you on the day-to-day and what your experience has been this past month while you're unpacking some things. What are those stressors that have led to the disorder eating with your therapist and being able to combine that work in that way? So for me, it's just kind of having some basic understanding and being willing to do this additional work to make sure that you're able to show up for your client holistically. Because I think some of us forget that we're dealing with a whole person. So we're like, oh, I don't have to deal with that. Or I can, I can touch on that. It's all connected. Like it all applies to this work. Some of our expertise doesn't extend that far. And that's even for therapists too. Everything is not my expertise. I will refer out in a minute and say, you know what? I don't think we'll be a good fit. That is not my area of expertise. And I want to make sure you're supported the best way possible. And I don't think I could do that for you in the way you deserve. Yeah, I... 
I relate to that so much from both standpoints because I am a coach right now and I'm working with women and everyone knows I focus on hormonal health. A lot of your hormonal health takes into account nutrition and a lot of it also takes into account anxiety and mental stress and how stress affects the body. And I love what you said. I think you need to have a team. And so, for example, like if I'm working with someone and she has a lot of trauma in there, sure, I can help her deal with some of like the daily things that are going on like in the past month and stress. But like that's like you, you will be recommended to a therapist to deal with that trauma. And I also know from being in that same place myself, you know, when I need that help, who do I seek out? I seek out my therapist. So I would want to have my clients do the same. Or if somebody has like very serious, like nutrient deficiencies or, um, you know, something going on with their health that's very specific, like you need to be seen a registered dietitian, or you need to be seeing your doctor and I'm never going to prescribe you anything. But the thing with the coach is like you, you are there, you are their coach, right? So you are there to listen to them and give them ideas and share with them your knowledge within your scope of practice. But that's why we have therapists. That's why we have doctors. That's why we have registered dietitians and intuitive eating coaches, you know, is that we have the team there to go to when we need them. And a good coach knows, a good coach knows when they're out of their scope of practice and they will send you to where you need to go. And I think for some folks, you know, for clients, obviously we, I mean, particularly with mental health, there's so much stigma and it's like, but I don't, I like you, you're my coach. We already connect. Like, can't you just walk me through it? And for, for coaches who are listening and you're like, I'm having these types of conversations with my clients. I think sometimes just speaking to the strength of our relationship and being able to say, you know what? We have built up this trust over this time. And you have trusted me to be able to show up and point you in the right direction. And right now, that direction is with a therapist. That direction is with a dietitian. That direction is with a, a specialist, you know, a, a doctor who can really guide you through this. I think it's beyond your diet. I think there's some biological stuff going on. Some Maybe you have a disorder. I have PCOS. Me just eating right ain't going to be it. Like I have other stuff going on. So like Nita said, you know, Having a team is amazing. You know that comes with privilege and being able to afford all of these, right? But sometimes it, it really just comes down to, this is not my scope. You need more. And it's time to, to push you that direction. Can we talk about that for a little bit too? Because you're so right. It does come with privilege. And people are like, that's great, but I can't afford mm-hmm. a coach and I can't afford a therapist and all of these things. What's your guidance there? Um when we're talking about mental health specifically and needing to get the help you need, but maybe not knowing where to turn? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. And I always let people know that, especially in 2019, we're moving into 2020, mental health is being discussed more and more, way more than it was five or 10 years ago. And that's an amazing thing. I also believe there's this expectation slack. Okay, we're talking about mental health now. Everyone's got a therapist. Why aren't you in therapy? It's like, girl, because it's expensive. I don't have insurance. What do you need? (laughs) And I think sometimes we forget that everyone doesn't have access. But I can say, even in Washington, D.C., I have gone to therapy for $5 a session. And... I'm going to be completely honest. It was not easy. I was on multiple wait lists at the same time because I was like, whoever gets me in first and the ones who called me, 
it was five bucks a session. I had to go through some finding the right fit. And I was like, hey, met with this therapist. It wasn't the right fit for this reason. Can I be connected with someone else? Waiting another period to get reconnected. And it is work and it is labor. And it, you can, you know, your patients can be like, all right, I'm, I've tried, I'm over it. But there are ways to do it on a budget. So even if that's looking into Open Path Collective, going to psychology today and asking a therapist if they have sliding scale. And sliding scale basically means they have a normal set fee. They may slide that baby on down based on how much you make and, and revisit that. And a lot of therapists, you know, myself included, we know that money is a barrier. And so a lot of us are willing to be flexible and try to work with you. And sometimes you may not be able to do individual therapy, but maybe consider going to group counseling and being able to, number one, be connected with, oh, I'm not the only one going through stuff. Oh, this is nice. But also it's more affordable and truly not waiting until you're in a crisis because there's, there's privilege you know, money is an issue, but sometimes we may wait until things have hit the fan. And then it's like, see, I can't find anyone and no one's available right now. And it's like, there is a process. There are wait lists. You do have to, you know, call around and actually find someone that works for you. And not just, are they available? You know, can I afford them? But are they actually equipped to deal with the stuff that I'm, I'm bringing to the table? Do I like them? That's important because yeah, finding a fit is hard. Exactly. Yeah. Is there like a way to like interview a therapist? I mean, not in like a form, like I'm here for the interview, but like, I don't even know. Cause like you're saying, like, I don't know how to be like, how open are you to my like non-traditional, you know, woo woo wee ways. Like there's no, I don't know the way to like come out and ask, but I feel like there has, I mean, they want to be a good fit for you too. Yes. And I think that's the thing that some of us just don't know. I didn't know that starting out before I became a therapist. Um, So one of the things I had this workshop called on the couch and we literally laid out all these questions. And a lot of folks do not know that you can interview a therapist be ever before you ever enter their office. And so it's called a consultation. And most therapists are going to do a free 15 to 20 minute consultation with you over the phone, via Skype, whatever kind of works. And you can even do this via email and ask some questions that really are important for you. But essentially, and I will say this, if they try to charge you for like a 15 minute call, run. Uh, <laughs> not the sure, right yeah. therapist. I one. <laughs> but usually... There are some certain questions that you want to ask. Obviously, price, sliding scale, insurance, their availability, things like that. What's their counseling style? And then you also get to bring up certain values for you. I'm a Christian. And so I remember speaking with a therapist and saying, hey, what is your approach to working with people of a certain faith? You know, what's your experience like with that? I'm like, I pray about certain things and I don't want you looking at me crazy. Like, why do you pray about that? <laughs> right. And so being able to have these very candid conversations about what's important for you. And so if having someone who is affirming of you having the right to have an access to an abortion, have that conversation, especially if that pertains to the work that you want to do. If you're like, I really want to come here because I did have a, a terminated pregnancy and I don't want this person to, to judge me or to shame me. 
being able to ask these questions. It is okay to ask open questions. And I think that's something, especially as women, we don't want to say anything that's not polite. Mm -hmm, Right. (laughs) Yes. We feel more bad about hurting the other person's feelings than like continuing to hurt ourselves. Exactly. Because what's the point if this person is judgmental and harmful and going to say, you know, like, negative things to you in session. It's like, well, I I was more considerate about your feelings than you are in this space. And this space is for you. Therapy is about you. And I've told clients, screw my feelings. My feelings don't matter in this session. Your feelings matter. There are only a few guidelines that we go by. Don't break my stuff. Don't call me a bitch. I don't know if we can cuss. I apologize. Beat that. Yeah, please. <laughs> Everyone. We add the E. We are explicit on finding your It was your funny. Shine. So when, after Nina quit her teaching job, like if you look at the episodes, it's E, 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 E. Like, but below, there's like none. She's like, I'm not worried about those kids. Explicits <laughs> happened after Nina quit teaching. Um, finding Your Shine became an explicit podcast. Like, this is an adult show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm like... The session is not about the therapist and their level of comfort. It truly is about you. And so when you're having these conversations and truly interviewing them, remember that it's not one-sided. It's not them figuring out if they want to take you. You're figuring out if you want to take them on as well. It is a privilege for someone to have access to these very intimate parts of you. And I think we have to remember that, that it is. It is an honor for someone to show up for us. It's really popular. Yeah. I heard that. I was like, <laughs> again, wow. Like, it is an honor. Boom. Like, Davia <laughs> speaks and, like, God is like, God oh. is listening. <laughs> yeah. It's like nature's mic drop. That, it, oh, nature's mic drop. Oh my gosh, that is brilliant. That um, is amazing. I do have a question that I've long wondered. I feel like this is like all the things I've Googled, not known. This is my time to ask. When do you know when to see, because I know a psychiatrist is who can prescribe medicine, correct. correct? Yes. So how do you know, how do you know when you need a psychiatrist versus a therapist if like you're new to all this? Because like maybe you need to be on some medicine, but I feel like you don't know until you work with someone. Yeah. So there are a few ways. Um, For some folks, they automatically go to a psychiatrist. They're like, I just need the medication. Like, I already know my history. I know this is what I deal with. I've done medication before. I just need to get back on. And so they may meet with a psychiatrist and they just go in like monthly to do like checkups or every six to eight weeks, things like that. So psychiatrists can prescribe and they can also do therapy, but not everyone does both. Not every psychiatrist offers both of them. Some folks are like, look, you're in and you're out. I'll check on you in a couple of weeks. Um, Interesting. For some folks, it is them meeting with their therapist and having a conversation with their therapist and saying, okay, I know this about myself. I, I think it's at a point where I'm doing the coping skills, but I'm still kind of struggling and I like additional support beyond this and therapy. And so it's getting a referral to a psychiatrist. And you may still go to therapy and just kind of work with the psychiatrist here and there. And for some other folks, your therapist may bring it up before you do. Hmm. And I think for some of us, there is some shame around, but I'm doing the things. I don't want to take medication. I mean, like, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. And number one, I always, always like to emphasize the fact that your brain is, is health. Like is, this is part of your full health. Like mental health is no different. And so 
if you would take medication for for pain or broken leg or disorder, there's no shame in taking you know, medication for depression or bipolar 2, whatever the case may be. And also having a conversation about holistic methods. Not everyone will automatically prescribe hardcore medication. I've had, we had amazing psychiatrists at my nonprofit that would do natural methods instead, if that's what the client preferred. And so having those conversations and kind of going from there. Did that love question? Yeah, it just sounds like you really need to be open to the possibilities and turn to whoever you're, you've chosen to work with in the moment to kind of guide you and use their expertise to help you come up with the decision you need to make. Um, That's kind of what I'm getting. And just go into it informed. And I think it's important for me to emphasize, if it doesn't feel good, it's okay to say it doesn't feel good. I think my dosage needs to be lowered. Mm-hmm. Like you're not just stuck with what they give you. I'm like laughing at the storm. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to, yeah, but no, I'm like... It's so <laughs> intense. And we're talking about like intense things. I went through a very similar like situation where I've talked to my therapist and I was at a point where I was doing all of the coping skills, like so many things. And I was seeing my therapist and it was, I was one of those people that was like, I'm doing all the things and I don't want to take medicine because also I'm a holistic health coach, like, you know? And so I'm like, we can do this. We can do this. And then I remember like when I did get prescribed, And I was like, I'm just going to try it. I had so much anxiety, so much anxiety, but it still didn't work for me. Like when I took it, it didn't feel right to me. And sometimes I, and I didn't end up taking it and I've done things, you know, since and whatever. But I feel like sometimes when people hear that, they think, oh, well, you're against medication or whatever. And I'm like, no, it didn't feel right for me. And I have friends, I have clients right now. And you know when it feels right and doesn't. Exactly. Who are, who have decided that they're going to take medication and it's, totally transformed their life and they feel so much better. And now they're able then to do the holistic things, then to continue to feel better. And I've known a client that has tapered down and I know a client that's still on medication. And that's the real thing to me when it comes to mental health is like, there is no right or wrong answer. What works for me is not going to work for you or it might work for you, but you don't know. And my biggest thing is like, you have to be your own health advocate. You're right. It's holistic. Mental health, your brain is part of your health. And also, so are all of the other things, mind, body, spirit, right? And so it's so important to have this conversation because I think a lot of women and men don't really know that, that they can have an opinion in this topic. That's completely true. And I will say that, number one, I I just have to reemphasize what you said. What works for you may not work for someone else and vice versa. Similar to any other medication that you use, your doctor will say there may be some side effects. For some people, it was great. They didn't feel any different. They just felt improvements and that was it. You may be throwing up with a certain medication. We expect that to happen when we think about just going in for just a little routine something. We're like, of course, everything comes with a side effect, but we seem to forget that when it comes to mental health medicine. And then we're like, this didn't feel good, so it, it just doesn't work for me. It's like, okay. Or you just needed a different medication or a different dosage, or you needed to pair it with something else. And sometimes, like you said, maybe it just isn't for you. And figuring out what that is without judgment attached to it. It is okay to take your time to figure out what works. Mm -hmm. I love that. So in the clients that you work with right now, are we, do you take clients right now? I am actually, so you've heard of like BetterHelp and what's the other one? Talkspace. I have a contract with one of them. 
Ah, so I do asking. like clarity consulting where that's more like one-on-one work, getting people unstuck and dealing with like burnout and career transitions and things like that. Um, so that's through just to be a therapeutic consultant. Mm-hmm. And then I have my own to keep my therapy skills sharp and show yeah, up. Right. Um, I, I have a contract with an agency as well. Ooh. Very cool. I did better help actually a while ago and it was it was just, I needed a little bit. It was good for what I needed it for. It was great. So I love that there are options like that now. I mean, like who would have ever thought 15, right? 20 years ago? And I was how... so anti-online therapy. I was like, that's not the same. I don't think that's going to be helpful for people. And now I'm doing, I'm like, oh, I like this. This is convenient. <laughs> like, well, it was nice. The convenience, I mean, like, right. It was, I did like video calls. It wasn't, I mean, like the only difference was I was not like physically... Exactly driving and going. Exactly. Um, and it might be different. I know they have like, you know, just like basically like emailing back mm-hmm. and forth kind of stuff, which is different. And for some people um, who are in smaller towns or you don't have access to actually drive somewhere, it's so convenient just to be able to pull out your phone or pull out your laptop and be able to have access to a therapist. And and even know that you don't have to do it long-term. Like therapy does not have to be this lifelong thing. Our goal is to give you the tools that you need so you can take care of yourself. Like, I don't want to be someone's crutch. And obviously that looks different for everyone. For some people, it's a few months. For some people, it may be several years, depending on what's going on in your life. But it doesn't have to be a lifelong thing. And talking about access to therapy, I mean, hello, that sounds like such a good way to just get into something. And then also, like you said, it's like in your own home, right? And you can just make it cozy and get the services you need. I love that. Okay. So you do you do this, but then also you had a you have a podcast, but things are changing a little bit, maybe with the podcast. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yes. So obviously we've been talking about so much wellness and boundaries and all the things, right? One of the things that I think is really important for me to honor for myself is the fact that I'm a one-woman show. And I love particularly. I truly love working with women and creating things for women and seeing women heal and shine. Preach! (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love all of those things. And sometimes I overdo it. (laughs) Preach on my end. (laughs) You're like, we're not the only ones. (laughs) And so one of the things for me moving forward that I had to get real about is say, I can only do so much as one person. And if I try to do all the things, I'm going to burn myself out. And that's not why I started these things. You know, I create a life I love, not one I feel I need a vacation from. And so I made the decision. I'm like, okay, we're going to switch to Patreon. We are going to make sure that I can sustain this, be be able to actually hire help and not do everything on my own. And so I'm really excited. And one of the things that is amazing for anyone listening, sometimes people don't know how to show up for you because you haven't voiced, you have a need. And if we don't express it, (laughs) we'll never have it met. And I have been pleasantly surprised that people are showing up and I'm one of those people, I don't like asking for help. I don't. I've always struggled. And quitting my job and moving to a different part of the country, I've, I've definitely had to push past that discomfort. <laughs> and I've been pleasantly surprised. And sometimes 
I truly think like, okay, God has honored that I've sowed some good seeds <laughs> in the world and they're coming back. And so with the Affirm podcast, it I'm really excited because we're talking about mental health. We're talking about the things that we're talking about today and burnout and just how to live well and not feeling trapped. Like it has to look like one thing has been very freeing. Very. So our listeners can, they're, they're, if they're feeling inspired like me and Liz are, like I feel like we had a very personal coaching session. I'm thinking, by the way, I'm having this thought in my head. I've already gone here. I don't know if you have Nina, but I'm like, how can I do this event in a few weeks and like sneak into breakout sessions? And listen, yeah. And I'm like, how? Because like, I want to like, I want to watch people's breakout sessions. I think we can. Yeah. I absolutely okay. think we, we can. We do whatever we want. But I'm like, I'm going to have to go. I know. Well, let's let's do a recap here. So obviously, people can reach out to you. And if they are interested in services, they can learn more about that from you. You have a podcast that is still going that you talk about all of this stuff on. Um, and you're going to be at our conference. I in, we're going to say two weeks because when this comes out, I think it's going to be two yes, weeks away. Yes, so you're going to be at our conference talking about these these things and burnout and building a business and all of this. So... That's wonderful. Can they catch up with you on social media? Tell them a little bit where they can find you. Of course. If you are down for the woo-woo and the mental health, <laughs> and you can definitely connect with me. My handle is just Davia, J-U-S-T-D-A-V-I-A on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you want to connect with me and work with me one-on-one and you're down for clarity consulting and you're like, okay, the wellness and the balance and the career pivots, I, that is what I need. Go to justbia.com and you can always check out the Affirm podcast. It's on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, all the things. <laughs> um, and yeah, you can you can find me on the internet very easily. There are not too many Davia Roberts, you know, on Google. Yay. Oh my goodness. Good or bad thing. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. And of course, for being a part of our launch of this event um, here soon. We're so grateful to have connected with you over the internet and now um, to become friends and do this podcast episode and the conference. My We're very appreciative. Having me. You're welcome. Thanks guys so much for tuning into this episode with Davia. Make sure to link up with her on Instagram, on Twitter, on her website. and to listen to on her website, all the places, uh, Davia Roberts, and follow her on her podcast journey, which is the Affirm podcast. And also check her out at Empowered Voice on September 21st. You can find those tickets at empoweredvoiceconference.com or on Eventbrite. Just search up Empowered Voice in Columbus, Ohio, and you will find the link to get tickets there. Awesome. Well, thanks again to Davia for coming on and thank you guys for listening. We will catch you next week. Talk to you soon.